0: Hey, everybody, I want to welcome you into the Point Church podcast. This podcast is hosted by the pastoral staff of the Point Church. We are located in southwest Pensacola in the Perdido Key area. If you live in this area or visit our beautiful beaches, we'd love to have you join us for one of our public gatherings. You can find out more about our church at www.tothepoint.church. We believe the Bible is the standards in all matters of faith and practice. We stand clearly on biblical principles that give us a worldview shaped by our creator. Our mission with this podcast is to encourage the body of Christ and to challenge all of us to think biblically in these uncertain times. I'm going to let our hosts introduce themselves.
1: Hey, everybody. My name is John Vickers, and I serve as the Next Generation's pastor here at the Point Church. Hey, y'all. My name is Josh Heisler. I'm the Alberta campus pastor
2: out in Alberta, Alabama. What's up, everybody? I'm Joe McClellan. I'm the executive pastor and the worship leader at our Perdido Key campus.
0: And we'd like to thank Nathan Duckworth for being our producer of the broadcast. He's the techie, and we appreciate all the work that he does. Today on the podcast, we're gonna talk about the new challenge with church attendance, church involvement, and church connection. Now, before COVID-19 hit, we were reading statistics related to these three different aspects, and even more so, it has been magnified since we've been in this COVID season, and some are asking the question, where is everyone at? There has been a sharp decline in church attendance and church involvement. And so today, we want to talk a little bit about the factors that contribute to it. Some are asking the question, what is the forecast for church attendance in the future? Will some that have left come back? Uh, Those that are paralyzed by fear because of the COVID-19, will they ever be able to get over that fear and be back in a public uh, gathering? And some have even asked us as leaders, Will we ever get back to being like things were earlier this year? Now, I want to begin, guys, with just giving a just really quick biblical principle here about the assembly or the gathering of the church. The word church is the ecclesia, and that word means the assembly or the called out ones. And we see that all through the New Testament. Some might ask, uh, as a Christian, are we Required or commanded to gather publicly together. We see that regularly in the New Testament. The Apostle Paul uses phrases like, uh, when you come together as a church, or the whole church comes together in 1 Corinthians. Uh, We see that in the New Testament, it's a distinct event where people come together, it's a moment of the gathering of the church. The church met as one body in Acts chapter 5. They were all together in one place. Uh, The New Testament clearly instructs churches to do certain things together when they gather. Uh, Some people say, well, I don't don't have to go to church. Well, how about this? How about the Bible says when you come together that you're to sing with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Uh, The scripture says you read the Bible publicly publicly. When you come together, you are to encourage one another. 1 Corinthians is very clear that when we gather, we're to do the Lord's Supper together. You can't do that unless you're gathered together. Another important aspect is the matter of church discipline and accountability. You can't hold each other accountable unless you're gathering together. So that's just a really quick overview of the New Testament principle of gathering, yet we find ourselves today the most current statistic Uh, That I've seen in the last few days is that only 12% of adults in the United States have attended a church service in the last one month. At the same time, those who call themselves Christians, that number has dropped 12 points over the last year and a half to two years, to where 65% say, I am a Christian, while 26% of Americans say, I'm an atheist. I'm an agnostic, or I'm nothing. Now, next week on the podcast, we're going to talk about this matter of who is a Christian, and particularly, we're going to talk about what is an evangelical. But guys, as we launch into this matter today of Christianity and church attendance, uh, we see that there has been a shift to more online worship services as well as gathering uh, on a personal level. We have some challenges today as it relates to safety uh, with the COVID-19. We went a period of about six to eight weeks where we did not gather together. We were producing online services, and then we eventually uh, began to meet back together. So Josh, talk just a little bit, if you will, about this matter of safety, what it looked like pre-COVID, and kind of what it looks like now as related to the public gathering.
3: Absolutely. So pre-COVID, our concerns when it came to safety were things like um, security. So so having uh, people who are, are monitoring the premises, ensuring that it's a safe room for people to gather from physical threats. And, and while that is still a concern for us now... Post-COVID, what we're looking at is safety with regard to germs, right? We're, we're social distancing. We're cleaning the facilities. We're, we're spreading out. We're encouraging people to wear masks. So that has changed the dynamic of, of what it means to be safe in church. Now, interestingly, I was reading a Pew Research poll the other day, and approximately 75% of people feel like it's safe to return to church, and, and that was churchgoers that they were surveying there, um, Protestants in particular. They, they feel it's safe to return, but only with modified procedures. So, so returning, but with steps put in place so that they can uh, be safe. So spread out social distancing, that kind of thing. Um, so that's been kind of our concern and, and what we've been looking at with safety in regards to how we do things, we've also changed things. Like we're not passing offering plates anymore. We've got boxes at both campuses at the at the back of the worship center or in the foyer for people to give. When we celebrate communion together, instead of passing plates, we've got prepackaged um, elements to use that help keep us a little bit safer than we would have been, you know, when we were passing things around.
0: So safety has become kind of dual faceted. It's uh, both the, the physical nature of it, making sure that the property's safe. One of the things that we've added is a, a deputy has been coming now for a few months and is here with us on Sundays just to help us keep a safe uh, watch on everything with uh, our security team. But now we have a COVID-19 task force that has helped us in the regathering to make sure that we stay safe. Joe, uh, we keep up with Barna. He does a lot of research and puts a lot of things out for us uh, statistically wise, and recently he came out with a, a new uh, survey of findings entitled The New Sunday Morning. The New Sunday Morning. So we gathered as a church on the first Sunday of March and it was kind of a normal Sunday. Uh, what, what changed that next Sunday? We actually decided not to meet, <laughs> but now we find ourselves with Sundays that look a lot different.
2: That's right. Yeah, the first Sunday after the—or the second Sunday of March looked a lot different because we led worship and preached to an empty room, which was odd and uncomfortable and took some getting used to, but my goodness, we got used to it pretty quickly. <laughs> Once we got into the rest of the spring and early summer where we were not only leading worship in an empty room, but sometimes we were leading worship to a camera, and with the full knowledge that that was not going to be received until several days later in a lot of editing— uh, and then we move into uh, the end of May or beginning of May, I guess, uh, We started regathering and we kind of we kind of eased into it. We did a couple outdoor services. And because we were doing some renovations here at our Purdue-key campus, we moved into our fellowship hall first. and then uh, we finally moved back into our facility here in July. And it was really interesting uh, for us, I think, I don't know, God's sovereignty, whatever you want to call it, we were able to kind of dip our foot in the water and ease back into regathering uh, from indoors to a smaller place into where we are now. Uh, So the new Sunday morning, you asked that question, what a Sunday morning service looks like now. Um, You know, we we do things, even before COVID, we're not a huge produced church. We don't have a choir and an orchestra and those kinds of things. We're already um, using a smaller team to lead on Sundays. Now what we do, we, we went to a smaller team, much more acoustic. We are sort of putting our feet back in the water of having a larger team. The last two Sundays we had a larger team on stage, uh, trying to get back to that. Some of that is you know, we're doing less music in a service. We're doing a shorter worship hour, so we're trying to figure out the best way to do it. What's the most engaging thing in that time frame? And Some of that was some of our people weren't ready to come back and serve yet, and now they are. Uh, so for us, we, honestly, it's it's hard to plan because we feel like we need to be flexible. So we do something, see how it works. We back off of it, see how it works. And so I, I've, in a lot of ways, it's been frustrating and difficult. In a lot of ways, it's been very fulfilling as, as leaders to see our people step up to challenges and be flexible with us. You know, as church staff, we're used to kind of being flexible and changing on a dime as we need to be. Our people don't always see that because we try to do the planning and stuff during the week, now they're getting to be a part of, hey, here's plan A, well, here's plan B, well, actually, come Saturday, here's plan C. So um, it's been kind of cool, I think, for them to see the, the how the sausage is made.
0: In the in the Barner research, it says that over 53% say that they have streamed their regular church online within the past four weeks. Uh, that means that folks, um, we'll say half, let's lower that 3%, Half of folks say that in the last month, we've chimed in with our church. This is interesting. Another 34% admits that they stream a different church, which means that church hopping, which we have absolutely no problems with in the South at all, Uh, church hop, y'all were supposed to laugh right there. Can we (laughs) like pipe in some laughing noise? Uh, 34% say they've been church hopping, looking around at other churches. Well, I know
2: some guys that were, they were watching four and five services on a Sunday. They, I, I'm one of our, one of our, our worship team members. He said he watched watch us then he watched three more churches that day. So I guess he saw whatever we did, whatever we didn't do well, he saw it somewhere else or whatever we did do well, he saw somebody else. <laughs> worse, so. You know, as
3: a, as a guy who's, who's been in
2: a lot of churches
3: around the country, just from military background and moving around, I kind of used it as an opportunity to check in on some of the churches I'd been a part of in the past. So I was watching our service, but I was also watching a, a church service in Corpus Christi, Texas and out in California also. You well, know,
2: my, my mom and dad, they're uh, they're in a very rural area in North Alabama. I mean, their their church has never, they don't even have a website. I mean, and they're on Facebook Live. I told my dad, man, the apocalypse is upon us if you're preaching on Facebook on Sunday. So I mean, they've really <laughs> had to adapt to to this time as well rural churches that the online engagement was never on their radar they could care less about it because you're in communities that's mostly families so for them to up their game in that area I think is huge which means more people are seeing the gospel preaching on Sunday so that's a good thing of all this
1: that's a thing about this pandemic and unforeseen change is it forces us into innovation and i yeah. know you can you can check online we were just looking at some some video equipment for the alberta campus and things are still sold out like yeah. you can't even buy the streaming equipment for uh, getting a service online now because not just the church world the business world everyone is is reaching to innovate to get to a way where they can get their information out online.
2: What's the old saying? Necessity is the mother of invention.
0: That's right. That's exactly where we are. Yeah. yeah. I want to unpack that a little bit more in just a second about the online part, but I want to bring one more point about church attendance that is concerning uh, to me as a pastor because it's it's a very, very much an unknown uh, that 30, basically 33% of church attenders. Now, guys, keep in mind, we were looking at Lifeway Research saying the average church attendance was 1.6 a month. That was right before COVID. So now COVID hits, and now they're saying 33% of church attenders. We're not talking about uh, the United States. We're not talking about adults that were surveyed. We're talking about church attenders. 33% have totally disconnected. They're not watching the online service. They're not coming back to the church now that we're regathering. And that is a concern to me because the question mark is, what's going to happen to them? Now, um, I don't have the answer to that, but I would say that there's a lot of chatter that this is a, going to be another season of the sifting of the church from nominal Christianity. Yeah,
2: I agree with that. I, I think, too, if if you were you know, not very committed before all this, you just had an excuse now before you didn't really have an excuse so maybe you felt guilty to go at least once a month and then when it was all quote canceled then it was easy for you to check out you know? and and once you're checked out like you're not checking back in i guess Well, you're building habits Yeah. You, you you already had a not very consistent habit and then you then you got a basically a permission to not go so it was like okay great i'm doing it's just like going to the gym yeah, you start skipping. Next thing you know, you're not going to the gym. <laughs> you're done. I think I haven't is,
1: been to the gym in a while. Yeah. This is bridging us into our next category that we're going to get into with online. But man, the the in person gathering, there's just elements that you cannot duplicate online. And one of those is accountability yeah. of being able to look somebody in the face. Yeah, and Tim mentioned that before. do life together, you know, yeah. and that that aspect is totally missed out in in this this online season that we've come through. I think we're seeing some of the repercussions of that play out in person.
2: Well, something, too, with the the gathering of God's people, uh, some of the writings of Robert Weber and, and some of the, the people that write on the worship, You know, part of the gathered worship is you're acting out God's story. You're acting out his story of redemption through communion, through baptism, through the preached word, through the songs that you sing. It It's hard to do that. What's well, impossible, if you're not coming at all, it's a little more challenging to do it even on the online situation, which we were able to do. We took communion online and we even baptized online. The first week or two we were in this, we baptized. Remember uh, the, the family, Justice family that came and they were baptized in the evening, so on a Saturday night, and then played in the service the next day, which is awesome, I thought.
0: John, you're a millennial, and I think sometimes adults, middle aged and older adults, they just kind of broad sweep. Oh, you millennials. Well, that's <laughs> millennials own a home, have kids, yeah, they're, and, old uh, they're old now. They're old now. Uh, one interesting uh, point about online and attendance is about half of the millennials have disconnected during the pandemic, and that's, that's very concerning. When we, when we started doing our online services, we were doing live, and then we started pre-recording them, as most churches did. And it seems like that did okay for a couple of months. But I just felt it. I mean, even as a minister, staring into that camera every week and preaching mm-hmm. is not the same mm-hmm. as looking into no the faces way. of the people. And I think we've seen some jet lag with that. Um, what what have we seen statistically? Uh, what is research telling us about that? So one of the most concerning
1: pieces of the Barner research that we've seen, of Pew research, so on, uh, is that one, it, this is a couple months ago, so this is before all of the in-person gatherings started, but just in the online era, three in 10 churchgoers had contact with any kind of church leader in the previous four weeks. And if you really think about that for a second, you're talking about a biblical community that we're assuming the churchgoers are a part of, and they're totally checking out from that. 70% of them have not uh, been in contact with anyone, uh, any church leader and half of churched adults have not even streamed a church service in the last uh, four weeks. So I think that gets into a little bit more of a conversation that gets into are you able to? Do you have internet at home? We've certainly run into that issue uh, in some of the more rural areas. But
2: we have here too, though, in our congregational care list that we check on. One of my ladies, she doesn't have, she still has a flip phone. Mm. She's not watching online, and I, it broke my heart. I was thinking, you know, how do I, you know, do we bring a DVD too? She's like, I don't have a DVD player. I'm like, that gum lady, what, what do you? you know? <laughs> I'll beat your house in the morning on your porch. I'll preach to you myself, you know.
1: So our our observation, at least in our local context, and I think this has been the same from every other group that we've been in contact with, is, man, those first few weeks, you know, everybody was super flexible. Everybody understood what was going on with the pandemic. Everybody was willing to give concessions to still – have some kind of church church gathering online, and then as time went, we started to see our our viewership go down a little bit. And I don't think that that was just us; that was certainly across the board with the church yeah. as a whole. Yeah. But I was reading a an article from uh, Nat Geo this week that was talking about the the Zoom fatigue that we all know so well at this point and if you really get down into the weeds of what's going on, it's not just that we're getting tired of having video conversations. It's that the online interactions that we're having, uh, and because it's not an in-person gathering, is really messing with our brains, with the nonverbal communication cues that we see, and it really takes a toll on us. So... Uh, in In that article, they said multi-person screens magnify this exhausting problem. So you know how when you're on Zoom, you're in gallery view, you're meeting with 15 people or so, you can see everybody. That's what they're talking about. And it says gallery view challenges the brain's central vision, forcing it to decode so many people at once that no one comes through meaningfully, not even the speaker. Wow. That is the problem with... Online communication and why it's not the same as being in person across the board. This has been going on for years pre-COVID. Okay, millennials and Gen Z are what we call digital natives, right? We've always had internet access. We're the first generations that don't have to go to mom and dad to get information. We have Google. Uh, back in the day, we had Ask Jeeves.
0: Okay, I'm dating <laughs> myself a little bit there. We had we had encyclopedias at my house. Yeah, yeah, right. I remember? Hey, was Jeeves
2: yeah. a dog? Was he a dog? <laughs>
0: I thought, he, I thought was he was a little a butler. butler guy. Oh, was a butler. Yeah.
2: yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. So just because Gen Z and millennial are digital natives doesn't mean that that removes the need for interpersonal communication, for being in the room with people, and you just can't replicate uh, the gathering of the church body online, and I don't think we ever tried to make an argument for that. I don't think we were ever saying yeah. that the yeah. online church gathering was the same, but we were saying... We're in a very
2: strange time right now. Nobody knows what tomorrow is going to look like. Which was part of the reason why we took our worship services out of the worship center. That's right. And tried to make it look more like a living room situation or a more intimate connection. Because us in an empty room, it was very clear this was not the same thing. So why would we even try to make it the same thing? You know? So you say that, but I, I heard,
3: and the argument was primarily from people who aren't Christians. But I heard the argument on several occasions that that it was the same thing. That, that meeting online was essentially the same thing as gathering in person, and, and we know that that's not true, and we know it like in our brain. But I wonder if, if at a subconscious level people were thinking this is supposed to be the same thing, and that contributed to the fatigue as they saw over time this isn't the same thing, that, that just experientially they recognized that this isn't what it was the same as when we went on Sunday morning and we gathered together So it's just a thought, but I think that might have contributed to some of the fatigue of just watching a service online as opposed to gathering together in person.
0: So you're bringing up a great point because that is a conversation right now. What does it mean to gather together? So because of COVID, what we had to say was, hey, the church is not closed. We're still gathering. We're still meeting. We're doing it online. In a lot of ways, we were more busy. We were. For sure. No doubt. But now that we're back open, we're saying, y'all come and those are saying some some are going to say not just our church but the church in general. Well, hey, uh, we you know, we were meeting online for 5 months. We're just going to keep doing that. I mean, that's our church. We're we're giving, we're connecting, we're listening, we're whatever. And I think it's really going to be detrimental to some. And I think one subject that we're not going to get into today, John, what you mentioned, is just the overall emotional burden that people are carrying right now. Uh, carrying from the COVID, carrying from the climate, cultural climate that we find ourselves in, the emotional burden of not being with someone. Think about all the senior adults, those that have health issues. We have many that are not coming to church right now because of their health. And, you know, uh, Sunday in my message, I, I talked about forsaking the assembling and so forth. And I had some interesting conversations already this week. And I had to assure some folks that, you know, you're staying out because of your health and COVID-19. That's something totally different. Yeah, it's not the same thing. It's yeah, not yeah. the same thing than someone who says, hey, we're, you know, as a family, we're going to get up this morning, and we're not going to go to church. Uh, we're going to go do X, Y, Z. And, and, again, as soon as I say something like that, somebody's going to go, oh, he's legalistic. And, no, 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 listen to what I'm saying. We are in a pandemic of families not attending church families that think that all the other extracurricular things are more important than the public gathering uh, in public assembly.
2: It's, you know, in our social media age, you you know, for better or for worse, you can see what people are doing during the week. And it, it kind of baffled me a little bit, the people that quickly would go to do other things that they, you know, that they, they had do, they were doing before COVID. They went back to those things pretty quick, you know, extracurricular stuff. And I know some of the things were outdoors and that was different, but then they, they haven't been back to church yet at all. Like they'll go to an ice cream store, they'll go to the zoo, they'll go. But they they just can't possibly come back to church yet. And I know I sound Pharisaical too a little bit too, but I, how? Like we we actually have put in so many safeguards to prevent you to get this thing with our with our our task force and with hand sanitizer all over the place, you know. But you can't possibly come back to church. But you'll be you know you'll be at the ball field.
0: It's kind of funny, John. I want to talk to you you chat about the, uh, the metrics here and we'll kind of wrap it up, but it's, it's kind of funny a minute ago, I mentioned church hopping, you know, you can do it digitally now, right? Oh, I'm not watching this, my church, I'm watching this church or whatever. Um, when we talk about metrics, it, it was kind of funny, you know, you count the joke through the years as nickels and noses, bodies, bucks, buildings. How many do we have? How many was here today? You know, that's kind of the metric. And so we've had to really just kind of, I mean, we're looking at it to say this percentage of folks has you know has come back this percentage hasn't but it's been kind of funny you know initially when we all went to Facebook and YouTube it was how many views did you have you know and and we learned that you could really quickly embellish <laughs> embellish your numbers you could pay a few extra dollars and boost I saw one country church in another state and I know the church it's out in the middle of absolutely nowhere in a cornfield and they had 3,500 views on huh. Sunday morning. Mega church now. <laughs> Mega church now. Yeah. So uh, what? real quickly, guys, as we move forward here in this season, um, how do we develop some new metrics on how the church is doing as far as engagement, connection, uh, and so forth?
2: Even before COVID, the new scorecard was starting to be engagement more than Sunday morning attendance anyway. That's you know? right. Yeah.
1: So online, man, I've been looking at Facebook numbers, at YouTube numbers, and trying to just decipher all of that. Uh, you about need a master's degree to just understand those those pages, and I'm sure there's some, some content creator out there right now listening, rolling their eyes at me, but y'all, there are a 30-second a view and a minute and a half view does not even come close to even engaging in a worship service. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the numbers that these these social media websites are keeping up with, they're not even useful to us to know how long people are watching. And as you scroll through, I mean, I would certainly say that if, if you're sponsoring a Sunday morning church and your viewership spikes, you're probably not engaging with people better. And that just creates another challenge. And man, I would, in, in our in our church, our leadership ministry team has been keeping up with a lot of our senior adults with phone calls and things. And I think one of the more difficult metrics for us to keep up with is when we talk to someone that they they let us know, man, I've been watching the service. This is Mm -hmm. great. I've been interacting with the things that you're putting out online. We've been doing uh, Monday through Friday. We put out a devotional video and you can certainly see uh, how many people are watching that and interacting with that on a daily basis. So the metrics are changing. They're difficult, but it's not just that Sunday morning number anymore.
0: We were averaging as a church about 600 before COVID hit, and we're looking at it now, and we're going, you know, can we, can we ever truly ever go back to a metrics metrics of bodies on campus? And I would just say this, you know, not to sound negative, but to be honest, uh, what, what difference does it matter if you've got 600, 1,000, or whatever you've got if you're not making disciples? That's right. So that, that engagement now moving forward is looking a little bit different. Our discipleship groups, uh, some are still meeting. Some have been on Zoom. Some are getting back together, and so these are the challenges that we have moving forward. Some
2: of this hit when we, when we would have been taking breaks anyway. You know, some of the, like, during July, so if we normally kind of take a break and then come back in August, we're kicking off here in the fall about the same time we normally would kick off. You know, which is a, a good.
0: Last thing, guys, before we close out, um, a new study came out just just three or four days ago that says twenty percent of churches in our country are facing closure. Um, 20%? 20%. Wow. There is a a sharp decline for a variety of reasons in in giving. I noticed, uh, for example, the United Methodist denomination uh, has had a 26% drop in their donations and giving. Um, The National Association of Evangelicals, and I might add, not being ugly, but these are more liberal uh, mainline denominations, uh, they surveyed 1,000 churches, and they found that 70% of those churches have seen a sharp decline in their uh, giving and so forth. And so there are 20% of churches, there are so many small churches, there are a lot of churches that are heading towards uh, towards closure. And that stress and that load is hard. It's hard to carry because you don't want to see it die. You don't want to see. Nobody wants to turn the lock for the last time. But I think through this, maybe there's some purification going on as well that the church is going to be more biblical and and get back to the word. And uh, I know for us as a staff, if you're listening, we just want to let you know how much we want to remain faithful to the scriptures in these days. And we want to do our part to create those own ramps and connections uh, to help people grow in their relationship with Christ. So the podcast today uh, is focused on church attendance and church involvement, church engagement, uh, our online presence and uh, next week, we're going to we're going to branch out and we're going to talk on the subject, what is an evangelical? There's so many uh, things that get thrown around and that word gets thrown around and attributed to uh, people in the day in which we live. And so we're going to get down in the weeds. Our goal in this podcast every week is to uh, try to address something that is related to what's going on in the church, what's going on in the culture. And you can just kind of hear our heart in a conversation kind of moment. And so we're going to keep this thing going. What we would ask you to do once again is to share the podcast, uh, to uh, give us a a five rating, if you would. That just helps boost us a little bit in our numbers to get more people to listen. And then engage us every week. You can subscribe to the podcast, and then every week when we do another one and we publish it, it will pop up, and you'll be able to see that we've done one. So good conversation today, guys. We'll look forward to next week uh, when we discuss what is an evangelical Until then, if we can help you in any way, encourage you along the way, please let us know. Remember, our mission is loving people to the point of life, Jesus Christ. God bless you. Have a great day.